Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome you into a new edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobia, and look at this. We're back in the studio here on Long Island, New York. I'm out of my Brooklyn apartment. Very happy to be back into the studio. New York uh, is in good shape uh, with the COVID-19 crisis, uh, which allows us to be back here in studio for another edition, another week here on Fubo Sports and everywhere that you watch this show. Joining us on the program this week, he is CBS Sports' Brian Campbell, and the perfect guest to have on the show uh, for a number of reasons. He covers both MMA and he covers boxing as well. Right now, the UFC is doing massive numbers. Their big pay-per-view over the weekend did reportedly reportedly 1.3 million buys. Uh, even if it's a fraction of that, that's still a huge number in this climate. And I want to ask Brian if this means we're going to see more pay-per-views in boxing, a sport that has had a ton of pay-per-views, but it's the only way to do fights like Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. It's the only way to do fights like Teofimo Lopez versus Vasil Lomachenko, which is rumored to be October 3rd now, with or without fans, says Bob Arum. Another story to keep an eye on. But first, before we get into everything, if you are watching us over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, don't forget to leave us some comments. That's what we're going to be dropping. A lot of by-the-numbers uh, little videos that we do with our CompuBox stats as the fights go on, because the fights are going to get better and better in August, or at least... Uh, we hope. If you're listening over on iTunes, you know, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, we put the show on iTunes every single week as well. And finally, thank you so much for joining us on Fubo Sports. The Fubo Sports Network is cranking out content right now. They're churning out, uh, whether it's the Cooligans, whether it's uh, Drinks with Binks. They're doing a lot of great things, and we're very happy uh, to be on the Fubo Sports Network. Let's get into some boxing. Let's talk about the biggest story that has come out of this bubble over in uh, Vegas on top rank. It's Clay Collard. You probably have not heard of the name Clay Collard until this year. He is now 4-0 in 2020. Talk about a guy that took an opportunity. Talk about someone who is making the most of this pandemic, making every minute count. Quite literally, uh, in the, I think he's been in the, in the ring for 23 minutes uh, during the bubble fights, his last two fights, and he's landed 219 punches in those 23 minutes. Two wins now. He knocked off David Kaminsky uh, back in June, and he was a big-time, uh, I would say a good prospect, an undefeated prospect for top rank, and he knocked, he took him out. He was finally, he went from B-side to A-side. He was the A-side in his last fight over uh, on top rank on, on ESPN. It's just a great story. I think a lot of casual fans could, could get into it, like a sports fans, a, a former MMA guy that, that didn't have a lot of success in the UFC, actually lost a fight against uh, Max Holloway on six days' notice, went one and three in the UFC, moved on to boxing. Didn't start off well in boxing either. Had a bunch of draws, a bunch of losses, and then started to pick it up. He's 6-1 and one in his last seven fights. He's 4-0 in 2020. Go on Twitter, and people want him to fight Canelo. People are saying he's the frontrunner for fight of the year. It's an amazing story because there hasn't been a lot of good stories in the sports world, especially the boxing world, to come out uh, so far with COVID-19. Clay Collard is one of them, so hats off to Clay. Supposedly he's fighting in August. They're going to keep this train rolling, and maybe they can you know, invest some money in him, top rank, get him uh, all the proper training. It reminds me of Mickey Ward. He, no, he's not on the same level as Mickey Ward, but if you watch the fighter, 
you know, he, he got that big investment, allowed him to stop working, uh, you know, what he was doing, the construction, and allowed him to just focus on boxing. You know, they, they had a guy bankrolling him. That could be the same thing with Clay Collar. Will he ever get to the level of Mickey Ward? Probably not, but he's a fun fighter, and he's someone the top rank just discovered here uh, in the Summer Series. Hats off to him. Some other big news and notes in boxing. Jamal Charlo versus Sergey Derevinchenko looks like it will be happening in the fall. Now, th will this fight be happening on Fox? Or will it be happening on Showtime? That is going to say a lot about where each of those networks are right now in terms of boxing. Of course, Fox cut back drastically on their shoulder programming and has cut back drastically on their boxing budget. Showtime, on the other hand, from what I'm hearing, is going to be having fights uh, at the Mohegan Sun exclusively uh, for the rest of 2020 through December. So we're going to see some big fights from Showtime. They have the budget. They have the capabilities to do this. They've been laying in the weeds for a real long time. So you could potentially see Derevchenko versus Charlo over on Showtime, but I think Showtime's going to have big fights. They can do them they can have their own bubble in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun and they have the budget. As I said, they can put on some big ones. Maybe you see some some names that you haven't heard in from a while in the PBC roster heading over to Showtime. But that's for the fight with Charlo and Derevchenko. Derevchenko is a guy that is now in line for some huge paydays. You walk down the street, if I ask 10 people if they know who Sergey Derevchenko is, I guarantee none of them know who he is. But this is a guy that fought uh, Jacobs. This is a guy that was potentially in line to fight uh, Canelo. He fought Triple G. He's making a great living. He's making top dollar, Derevchenko. And he is not exactly the biggest name of boxing, but he poses the biggest test for Jamal Charlo, mostly because of his volume. Derevchenko throws 64 punches per round. He lands close to 40% of his power shots. The guy who's seen his fight with Triple G, he's, he fights in the phone booth. He can fight from distance. He throws a lot of power shots, goes to the body a lot. This is going to be a tough fight for Charlo. And hats off to Charlo uh, for taking a big fight like this because people just wanted to see him fight someone finally. What, 160 pounds. That's for Charlo. Has the big punch capabilities. Has the knockout power. A little more economical uh, than Derevchenko is. You've seen him become a little more of a headhunter, Charlo. Not going to be able to do that against Derevchenko, a guy that can move in there. He could do a little bit of everything. So it's going to be interesting to see how Charlo looks in this fight. Will he box more? Will he use that jab? Or will he just stick to those power shots, which he has kind of uh, fallen back on over, over his last couple fights? Talked about the big Showtime schedule that they coming up. Uh, also, their July and, and August is starting to look better. We don't know what's going to happen in the fall. We're hearing a lot of promises in the fall for, for big fights. You know, Tiafimo and Lomachenko. Wilder and Fury, they keep getting pushed back, back, and back. We're hearing big things. Everything is like, oh, he's coming back in the fall. We're going to see him in September. We're going to see this guy in October. Triple G, yeah, we'll see him there. Uh, Canelo, we'll see him maybe September. We just don't know for sure, but August looks good. The end of July looks good as well, because we saw from Top Rank, they announced July 21st, Oscar Valdez, a name about 130 pounds. He's going to be fighting Jason Velez. Jason Velez is a guy, uh, you know, a solid opponent, a game opponent. It will give us a good gauge of where Oscar Velez is right now because they want to do Burchelt, Miguel Burchelt versus Oscar Velez. Top rank really wants to do that. I can see that fight happening inside of a bubble because that wouldn't be a pay-per-view fight in normal terms. Put that on, on regular ESPN. Get that going. I really like that fight a lot too as well. July 24th, the zone is back. And when they have Virgil Ortiz in the ring going against Samuel Vargas, we're going to be putting out a Virgil Ortiz by the numbers uh, next week to talk about some of his punch stats because he's one of the biggest stars in boxing and someone that could maybe, maybe see fight Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford made an appearance on the bubble uh, on, on ESPN saying some saying some things that uh, maybe he has to take a pay cut, doesn't want to take a pay cut. Uh, a lot of these fighters need to realize now if you want the sport of boxing to be around in the future, you're going to have to take a pay cut. 
We had Tim Bradley on the show last week. He said boxing is, you have a very short window in boxing to make money if you're a prize fighter. You have to take advantage of every opportunity. Look at Clay Collard. Yes, he's not making as much money as a Terrence Crawford was, but it's just a metaphor for where we are right now in the sport. You have to take the fights. Take a pay cut or don't get paid at all. That's what it comes down to. We're going to talk more about this. Fighter pay, well, UFC versus boxing in terms of pay-per-view model and, and where that stands and much more. Coming up next, CBS Sports' Brian Campbell. It is time to bring in CBS Sports' Brian Campbell, who's broke his own record. This is his ninth appearance on Inside Boxing Live. First appearance since 2019 of June. 380 days since you've been on the show, Brian. Welcome back. Gold Jacket is in the mail. Yes, first episode since our uh, favorite sport got canceled, too. So shout out to that. But great to be back on. I'm hoping that some of that Fubo stock drops into my... Uh, my inbox there, all right? Yeah, you'll be getting a residual check. If you want, if you're, in case you're wondering, the next guest with the most appearances on Inside Boxing Live right below you, Tiofimo Lopez with five. Woo! Mr. Steal Your Girl. All right, that that's good company right there, okay? Although, shout out to Curran Batia's hair. He's making moves, that guy. <laughs> Curran Batia does have the best hair in, in showbiz, the best hair in, in, in the podcast world. But we got to talk about some really important things, Brian. This is the biggest story in boxing right now we'll start off with the heaviest stuff nico macias has retired via his instagram comment section yeah they they've come to see the rooster no more i hope you've been following the uh that maniac brawler for this uh on his instagram live story he's raising a baby skunk up and man they have a love between them but i did try to acquire his services on my own podcast this week was on uh unsuccessful through the methods of dm sliding Although Ryan Garcia has told me many times it does still go down in the DMs. But if you're looking for a uh, a mascot, a mythical creature to get behind for boxing, Nico was that for all of us. I know your your trigger fingers there on the old ones and twos of the uh, of the great CompuBox, founded by a great man, by the way, Bob Canobio. Uh, I'm sure they've been worn out many a time. But that guy was a savage. He's a little bit of a weirdo, and I wish him well in the next phase of his life, which probably involves getting his eyes scratched out by that skunk. But uh, <laughs> did you notice on Instagram he mentioned that uh, Golden Boy screwed him over a little bit? I'd yes. like to get a little bit into that since we have no other actual boxing to talk about. Yeah, that's that doesn't surprise me in the least bit. Everything, you just the, the skunk, the Golden Boy friction, uh, him retiring because he can't find fights anymore. It's just, uh, it's a lot there. But what's moving the needle for you these days in boxing? Not a lot of big fights on. It's really tough for content guys like us to, to churn out pods and shows every single week. What's moving the needle for you boxing-wise these days? Uh, not much, to be honest with you. Wow, wow, big feedback in the air. Not much these days. Look, uh, I, I am thankful for my own job purposes, for Dana White and UFC, for keeping the show on the road. And obviously, I have respect for what Top Rank's doing inside the bubble to keep their own paychecks coming in. But, you know, after the initial quarantine reaction we all had of, uh, hey, let's rank everything, right? Let's rank our favorite ranking attempts during the boxing quarantine. <laughs> Uh, we all kind of run out of things. I did have a nice discussion on the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast this week with one Rafe Bartholomew debating the greatest win of the last 10 years, but we've kind of done stuff like that far and above and beyond. Uh, you know Showtime is the label that pays me, so I'm excited about their uh, second half rollout that's been much teased and threatened to be announced soon, zone getting back in the game. I mean, look, the few fights that have been announced, Dillian White, Povetkin, uh, Katie uh, Taylor against Delphine Pursuant 2. These are ones that are moving me. 
I'm just not into guy I kind of know versus guy they picked up off the street because the other guy tested positive for COVID, which is what we're getting every Tuesday and Thursday on top rank. All right. Shout out again to those guys for keeping things moving. But uh, I don't know if that's like the best foot forward for the sport. It's been a rough few months. There's only so many times I can speculate whether Canelo is going to fight David Lemieux or I don't know, Willie Monroe next. Who knows? Okay, Brian, so obviously UFC has been able to pull off some huge cards and have a lot of success in this pandemic when a lot of sports have not, most notably boxing. How can we possibly see, what's the road, I should say, to see boxing get back to having big fights, big ratings, and we're all back doing what we love watching, big-time boxing? Yeah, yeah the, the short-term short answer, answer, Dan, through the, through the obvious, obvious uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty of whether, whether we can, we have, can people have people in crowds, crowds again, again, you know, even, you know, even in some, in some kind of... of um, um, bastardized, bastardized version, of version of people in every, every other, other row, row or whatever, or whatever is, embracing is embracing two things, things that I think that have I think been villains of the sport to boxing fans for years. One is putting fights on pay-per-view that in theory might not deserve it under, you know, our, our how we typically look at that. And two, uh, being willing to go to, to foreign suitors with deep pockets and at times even questionable moral ethics uh, to put on these big fights. Look, one thing UFC has done, done huge is survive and part of that survival is getting rid of that narrative that without a live gate none of their big fighters will be able to uh, to appear because they will be unable to take less money they found a dance partner in abu dhabi with this fight island thing that'll pay for the giant site fee will pay for travel food accommodations even covid testing boxing is going to certainly have to look up that route which we've seen before with pacquiao macau anthony joshua getting 80 million in saudi arabia last year and also just the idea of going straight to pay-per-view. But I think right now is a crucial time for the sport because it hasn't put its best foot forward and because it's essentially out of mind, out of sight to the casual fans. These are the casual fans who buy the pay-per-views, right? If they're going to be successful outside of that core, hardcore base, you're going to have to start putting on good fights once again in between those pay-per-views and do your best to build up the interest again so that when people turn on SportsCenter, for example, and our Fed, you know, the company speech on why they should buy next month's Lomachenko-Lopez fight, for example, you want them to be invested and ready and want to be there. I think the money will be there if the fights are there. But it's just a tough situation because we know boxing's greater problem, that people don't work together. And UFC has a different pay model, different structure and all that. It's all in-house. We don't have that luxury in boxing. But I was almost hoping would be a bad word because I don't want to see anybody lose their job or, or us go in the tank more economically. But we can't really ever truly fix boxing until it's broken completely. And that may never happen. So short of that, I was hoping that this quarantine would lead more promoters to go, look, on survival alone, how about we put some of my fighters on your channel, you take some of your fighters and we'll put them back on our channel and we'll make competitive fights. Unfortunately, with each network being, I'm sorry, each promoter being so tied into financially their specific exclusive network, it's hard to see that happen unless we're talking about a Wilder Fury level pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm trying to stay optimistic. I'm trying to stay optimistic, but it's, it's certainly getting close to getting there because the Teofimo Lopez Lomachenko fight keeps getting pushed back, keep pushing back to, to dates. Same thing with Wilder and Fury, two, two of the bigger fights or two of the biggest fights on, on Top Rank's platform. And we don't know where it's going to be, but like when you talk about it having to potentially hit rock bottom before it gets better, we're going to see in a few weeks. We're going to see if these if these fights don't happen in the fall, 
I don't know where boxing is going to be. And it's a scary thought to have. But well, that's the thing. You good. know, the more that we don't put on great fights and the more that we put on shitty fights, it's the worst it's going to get. And it's not just, oh, Lomachenko Lopez is a great fight. So as long as we roll out the red carpet and promote the crap out of that for a month, we'll be fine. The best promotion for boxing is other boxing fights entertaining you and doing well and getting you back in that zone where you trust and believe in this sport again, a sport that can break your heart, can break your wallet, can break your face. I mean, there's a tough sport here, Dan. We make a living in it somehow. But uh, I was hoping that this uh, desperation would lead to cooperation and i'm still not seeing that who knows we could maybe see it and you know, crazier things have happened let's hope for the best let's end with some flurries and let's get into it who does canelo fight next i hope it's david lemieux given the circumstances nobody really hopes he fights david lemieux right but i don't want him to fight a willie monroe, monroe jr type that was a name that i guess willie had thrown out himself <laughs> uh where it's not going to be a big name it's not going to be a saunders I don't know how DAZN's going to pull this off, considering they're already, what, $35 million into Canelo per fight, and they haven't even been back yet. But at least, Dan, at least Lemieux will, will go there to fight and, and probably get himself knocked out and, you know, maybe pull in a few ladies because that Ar Armenian-Canadian is one handsome fellow. And it's an easy haircut. He can withhold that haircut without going to the barber. You just shave around, leave that flop coming over. I'm with you on that. I mean, look, is... is is the essentially Canelo versus James Kirkland part two, which what Lemieux would be? That's got to be our best case scenario right now. It's fun. I, I'm, I'm up for it. And, and what round does Clay Collard stop Canelo? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That guy's on a hell of a run, but let's not get too crazy here. I mean, we, I, I love these type of stories, by the way, right? Former UFC guy just becomes a journeyman boxer and is willing to fight every four days. And top rank's like, hey, we got cards every four days. So keep coming back for 5000 a pop. But great little story they got building there. I don't know who eventually he's going to get quote-unquote cash out against, but uh, I hope he makes some cash for, for what he's been able to do. Pat Miletic versus Michael Nunn. Why? Why? Is that, is that really happening? I was hoping I didn't hear that right. Is this a, What kind of fight is this? MMA, boxing? I didn't research that enough. Just, Street I, fight? It's the type of thing where you just see the headline on boxing scene or, and you just don't click on it, but I think it's happening in Iowa. I think the Iowa commission, the head was on saying that he doesn't want to do it. So I don't understand. That's just washed. Central. Yeah, CTE is a hell of a drug. Let's, let's keep the, the streets clean. Let's cancel this fight, please. Come on. Next year at this time, we're doing the show here in 2021. King Rai, is he with Golden Boy or is he with uh, King Rai Promotions? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if next year at this time, will this show be called Inside MMA Live? <laughs> it I'm probably like, it might be. It might be. A uh, year from now, I'd say no. I don't know where Golden Boy is going to be a year from now. I don't know where DAZN is going to be. What the hell is going on in our sport right now, in our society, Dan? All right? It's up to us as a people to start making some changes. No. Um, look, he's too valuable for them to lose, but, man, they seem content in just being like F you right now. So that doesn't end well. We've seen that. And you're seeing um, – Ryan Garcia getting a lot of support. I mean, I don't know if, if Ariel Hawani like, wants to hang out with him or not, but, I mean, he's interviewing him on ESPN's platforms yeah. too. So, I don't like you know, seeing that. I don't, you, we've seen people get bought out of their deals in the past, right? Right. So uh, who knows? Who knows what happens? Ariel's creeping into the, my space. He's creeping into my, the boxing lane. Just stay over there with you yeah, in, yeah. The, in the stay, MMA world. Stay with the Toronto Raptors and the friggin' MMA guys. I yeah, see him yeah. heading in. But finally, before we let you go, the the Tiafimo Lopez, the, the the Lomachenko, the Wilder Furies, the biggest fights possible. Are we are we get them? Do we get them in 2020? I uh, what do you think? 
I think we do because I do think that the up pay-per-view upside for the powers that be, they're going to need that. I mean, they're straight up going to need that. I mean, Top Rank's able, I would think in theory, to sustain the requirements of its ESPN deal by putting on so many cards in a short window. We know that's a major reason why Dana White was, you know, maniacal about getting back in action, right? To fulfill the dates to get paid that $750 million bottom line from ESPN. I think certainly we're just going to get to a point, if even if it gets worse from here, COVID-wise, where you're going to have to call up somebody in the Ukraine or, or wherever. <laughs> Whoever's got money, hey, you know? Australia. You, can we do it there? I mean, look, you know, I, you know, I wonder if Australia and New Zealand, given their positive numbers and that they're doing other sports and stadiums, if you, we start seeing some big fights there, it would make a lot of sense. You know, I got August 26th circled on my calendar. I don't know what day of the week that is. Who cares? But it's Jeff Hahn against Timmy Zhu. Bring on that kind of Australian slop. I live for that. I'm horned up for that one. There we go. Uh, Brian Campbell, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to your 10th appearance on Inside Boxing Live. Great stuff. We did this with no technical difficulties Not either. Fantastic show. Smooth as can be. Brian Campbell, we'll see you next time. Before we say goodbye, it's time for our parting shot, and this has to do with my favorite fighter of all time, Otoro Gotti. On this week in 2007, Otoro fought the final fight of his career 13 years ago at the f infamous boardwalk call i was lucky enough to have been there as a uh, 20 year old fan it was not part of the media back then i was not part of copybox i just went as a fan with my buddy we would go to all the fights on the east coast growing up as a kid Larry lucky uh, to be a part of uh you know copybox family going to a lot of these fights but over the years i had become a fan of Toro Gotti, of course so many people were a fan of his but i have a cool story about this night yes he didn't pick up the win and, but that's not what this fight was about. That's not what this night was about. This was Arturo Gatti's goodbye to boxing. And more importantly, this was Arturo Gatti's goodbye to Atlantic City, to the Boardwalk Hall. That place would roar when he would make his ring walk into the ring. But this cool story about this was my buddy really wanted to meet Gotti before the fight. And we had tried to set it up uh, with Pat Lynch and Lou DeBella to set up meeting Gotti beforehand. It just couldn't work. We couldn't figure it out uh, to meet Arturo before the fight. But just by chance, me and my buddy were walking through the old parking lot where they actually used to hold fights. I think Randall Holyfield used to the fight. It's a massive, massive parking lot just outside the boardwalk hall. We're walking through there. Then all of a sudden, this white limo rolls up. And I went, oh, my God, dude, that's got to be him. That's got to be Gotti. Because one thing you know about Arturo, he, had, he loved his limos. He always had to have a limo to and from uh, every, every single fight. But the limo rolls up. He gets out. He's right there. Gives us a big hug. Told him, you know, this is awesome, man. I've been a big fan your whole, of, of you your, uh, your whole career. And it's just an awesome moment. And uh, it's just unfortunate. Obviously, we know where the story goes from there with Gotti. And there's actually a really good book out written by Jimmy Tobin uh, about the, the, the death of Otoro Gotti and uh, what all happened in Brazil. But just uh, a really cool story on this date, uh, on this week, I should say, back in 2007. Man. Atlantic City. I hope it has a comeback because that place was awesome for fights uh, growing up. That's a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to our guest, Brian Campbell, CBS Sports, for coming on the show. Great job from our super producer, Nick Canobio. Not easy getting back in the studio. Not easy getting everything going again. We're going to keep doing the show every single week. Hopefully, we're in the studio from, from here on out. Everybody have a very safe week. Don't forget, wash your hands. Wear a mask so we can get boxing back, so we can get the big fight bats. Think of it like that. We'll see you next week on another edition of Inside Boxing Live.